Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's the third of your season preview episodes and today we're all about France. We're talking about League R and we have a very special guest but before we introduce him, hello to Mr. Sam Ty the Rank God. How are you doing mate? Bonjour, I am great. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. And joining us today, it's a blast from the past, our old friend, Mr. Alex Collings of the Scouted Football Network. And also, Alex, you're starting something different with Football Per 90, I hear, this year. One, congratulations. And two, it's lovely to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, so I was doing, um, we were doing pod, but I'm kind of moving over to to sort of doing like video profiles on YouTube. So we'll we'll see, that should be coming soon and we'll see how it pans out. 
Absolutely. Sounds like hard work, Alex. Yeah, exactly. Like really hard work. <laughs> uh, you've, grow, you've grown a tremendous beard since I last saw Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's also winter here, so it's very, very cold. So I've got like hoodie, beard, beanie. It's all... Yeah, yeah. It's a real stark contrast. <laughs> Considering uh, how warm we are, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard of in this it. room and I'm in shorts and t-shirts. <laughs> so uh, for once, pay, living in England pays off. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, but it's great to have you back, Alex. Um, we're going to kind of work through Liga in a number of ways. We're going to kind of pitch it up in a, in a couple of questions. So I'm going to hand the reins over to Sam for the time being and away we'll go. Okay, yeah. So um, I basically have five big questions for Alex. And uh, I think we'll start here at number one, which is on PSG. Uh, most people's expectation is that PSG will go ahead and, and win the league on title. Uh, but there have been a couple of suggestions recently, actually, that they'll not only do that, but they'll go on to break their points record in Liga. So there's a lot of hype right now around PSG. And I guess the question is quite simple. Alex, do you think they're actually capable of that? So, yeah, I think in terms of capability, I think it's really hard to say that they aren't when they've got like Mbappe, Neymar and Messi. Um, and I definitely think they're going to be better this season then they were under Poch, who was kind of a disappointment overall, I think, if you look back at them. Um, I think Galtier has got a sort of a better, maybe a more functional sort of just system in terms of kind of getting the balls to balls to them and just kind of letting them do their thing, but keeping like good structure behind. Mm. So I think it, it's a better fit. Whether they'll break their points tally, which is, I think it's like 96 points a couple of seasons. 96, back. yeah. In like, what, 2015, 16? No, that might have been. But yeah, um, so... So I think they could. Um, it really just kind of depends. Um, yeah, it just depends how it sort of pans out. I think they're going to blow a lot of teams away, as they do every year. Um, I think also, as we'll kind of get onto later, there aren't any big sort of teams that I think can kind of beat them from a functional perspective. I think a big reason that they lost points in, in previous seasons, especially on the parches, you never really got them playing in a functional way so that there were always like places where you could kind of exploit them, especially in terms of how they defended out of possession, right? Uh, but with that said, that's still a problem. I mean, Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, as good as they are in possession, they're, they're a liability, all three of them out of possession. And yeah, in modern football, like when you have like, your whole front line of press is like not very good. And that's that's usually an issue. So, so yeah, it, it depends. I mean, I could I could see it happening. I think they've got better backup now, especially like, Verratti sort of plays almost like as a half-time footballer <laughs> with how often he's out. Having Vitinha in there, who's kind of like in a, in a similar like functional profile, right? If maybe not necessarily stylistic, um, although there are similarities. I think just having that sort of continuity in the midfield will actually will help them a lot in, in not dropping those sorts of points. So I definitely could see them um, breaking, you know, 96 maybe being Centurions. But, it, but, but yeah, you never really know. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, it's a long old season. Lots can go wrong, even for the very best. Um, maybe then we're looking at that goal scored record set in 2018, which is 108. You're talking there about how they're going to blow some teams away, and I think this is this is part of why people are expecting maybe the points record to be smashed because it's very feasible that you open your scores app and and you know Hakimi and, and Messi and Neymar and Mbappe have just wrought havoc on like whoever it is that day and they've won like six or seven nil like I could easily see that happening like five six times this season that's interesting I mean I think part of it is that Galtier as a coach has always been a little bit more pragmatic so I think he also really likes to keep sort of solid so actually I wonder how how that will sort of play into it if because I mean I think he also kind of has to adapt to the squad right he's a coach coming to again 
a club with Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi. They're all going to want to score. They're all going to want to be attacking. And he's got guys like Hakimi and Nuno Mendes on, you know, in the wide areas are very attacking players. So, so yeah, I think he could. Um, but it'll be kind of interesting. It's a new challenge for him that he hasn't had at Nice or at Lille. Um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of actually embracing that attack rather than being a bit more pra- pragmatic, right? Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting thing. And, and you, you've kind of touched exactly on it there, Alex. It's one of those points where I almost think that I know this is a domestic preview. So, you know, we're not going to Europe. But I actually think that the Galtier's inclusion here actually might set them up better for European competition than necessarily to smash records domestically because it feels like they are going to be better balanced. And and I think we've seen that. Obviously, he was famed for, for that 4-4-2 at, for, for various clubs that he's played for in the past. And he's come straight in and been like, I think we might need three centre-backs here if, it's, if this is going to work. Yeah, and, you know, it's something we, we talked about last year. I remember having this discussion last year and thinking, okay, Maybe PSG needs to go to a three at the back because otherwise this might just not work if you're trying to play Hakimi down that right-hand side and no one's covering those spaces. And we saw PSG kind of lose their heads in Europe and and, and get exploited. And actually, it's the kind of thing you kind of imagine that the Galtier won't let happen. So I wonder if actually, in terms of domestics, I think they'll, I think they'll win the league. I think you'd be mad to bet against it at this point. But equally... I wonder if it's actually in Europe that we see the biggest change in how PSG operate because of what he's been brought in to do. And what he's been brought in, I think, with a mandate to do. Because this isn't, you know, to walk around and say that the Galtier is a better or worse coach than, than Pochettino. I think they're both brilliant coaches. It's more that he's been, you know, Poch was given this kind of mandate to play entertaining, to play exciting football, which is what he's been kind of branded for full stop. Gatti has been brought in to kind of stream this back and be like, okay, right, hang on. The the whole, what well, I think it was, it was Nassu said, the glitter, the glitter is over. Um, you know, those, those kind of things are, I mean, it's clearly not, but it's, it's one of those <laughs> where you're looking at it and going, okay, he's been given a mandate to play slightly, you know, he's not being asked to go and blow teams away, perhaps. He's being asked to turn this team into a, a machine that can win not only domestically, but also continentally as well. And and so I wonder if that's where we see the biggest change. I mean, I, I don't want to take away too much from like the domestic thing as well, but that's one of the big things I'm kind of thinking. Because I still think, I mean, I think you can get away with, the uh, you know, having all three of the superstars in that front line in the league for sure. Um, and I think Galtier is building a good sort of, yeah, like defensive sort of thing to to accommodate them, right? But in Europe, when you're kind of getting to the round of 16, round of eight, like semifinals, I kind of wonder, like, is he ever going to get to the sort of point where he feels he has to drop, you know, one of Neymar or Messi, yeah. basically. So so it'll be interesting. I mean, he's also maybe not a coach that they've had in the past with as much, like, clout or, like, reputation in the game. I think he has kind of built a good reputation for himself. But, I mean, Poch came in with a bigger reputation. Obviously, they've had guys like Carlo and Tuchel who had bigger reputations, right? So it'll be a very big call from from Galtier, but we'll kind of see. I think he he's better supported by sort of the like the front office or executive staff than previous managers have been. And they have a new front office as well, which is uh, pr- pretty Mbappe. much one of the biggest wins <laughs> PSG have have. <laughs> yeah, not Mbappe, <laughs> kind of. Uh, but obviously, with with uh, with the new structure in place and Luis Campos pulling the strings here, yeah. and, and ba- basically the big win here is that Leonardo is gone. Um, and yeah. so that you never know really how much of a, of a difference that can make for PSG. But we'll we'll move on from the uh, predicted champions and just go slightly further down 
the table. And I want to ask you, Alex, who is going to be the best of the rest? So, yeah, when kind of preparing for these questions, I kind of realized that, like, maybe compared to previous seasons, I'm far less sure on, like, how things are going to pan out. Just because, I mean, first thing I'll say is that I think the rest are all far behind PSG. There have been years before, I know you kind of felt like PSG were a bit more vulnerable than I feel. They are this this season and that someone, and that there was a team that was kind of, like, in a good point in their cycle that they could make a, like, an underdog challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that with anyone this year. Um... And yeah, there's just a lot of teams that are kind of in it. But yeah, I think the three that are kind of picked up as like the best of the rest is Lyon, Ron, and um, and Monaco, right? So let's move through them. Um, so for, as for Lyon, I mean, obviously they finished eight last season, <laughs> which wasn't great. But like, excusing my own bias on it, I think they probably do have the best squad after PSG's. Um, we still got, we'll see what happens with Paqueta. It kind of looks like he's staying at this point. You never really know in that kind of final week or two of the window. But I'd say he's the best non-PSG player in the league. Um, then we've just got loads of talent in midfield. Uh, we have a midfield rivaling PSGs to some extent. Um, and we've got attackers. Probably lack a, a sort of a good runner profile if if Toko Kambi isn't playing. Um, so thankfully he's staying. Uh, but in terms of problems, um, still the defense. We've only really got one centre-back that I really back, which is Lukeba. I absolutely love him. Um, but other than that, we've got Jerome Boateng, who hasn't worked out. He's fallen out with the squad. He wants to move away. Um, and then we've kind of got Thiago Mendes, who kind of like has been like moved into this sort of centre-back role, which is very like Bosch-like, right, to kind of do that. Uh, we were looking for a centre-back. I think we were basically going for Isidi Op, And then when we miss out on him, from what it looks like, the club just kind of went, oh, we tried for a centre-back and we'll just see how it goes, right? So, <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like sensible business, yeah. I mean, that that's Lyon, modern-day Lyon for you. Um, and then the other question mark I just have is over Bosch. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of how he plays and tries to get the team playing, but I think there's no denying he's a very, very flawed coach. And, yeah, it's a punishing league when you have those sort of, like, vulnerabilities and transition, um, especially with a lot of strong, fast runners. And teams that like to camp deep and hit you on the break. So, yeah, that that kind of messed with them last season. Um, and we'll see if it happens again. I could I could see him going early. Um, I hope it isn't the case, but we'll see. What have you made of the um, the very heartwarming, I think, homecomings for Leon this summer? Uh, you know what? Lacazette and Tolisso. So I'll speak to Lacazette first because I actually didn't agree with it as a move from a profile fit because I, like I said, I think we need guys who can actually get into good scoring positions and make those runs, which we, we, we kind of lack at the moment, but I've warmed up to it a lot. I mean, I still wouldn't say I'm crazy about it, but one of the nice things is that another problem Lyon has actually had that I forgot to mention is that there's this general like level of professionalism or attitude within the squad that has kind of died since the Lacazette Toliso days. And I think, a big part of bringing them back is like a cultural reset that it, okay. that the club really felt was needed. And I think I agree with that. Um, and I think it, it's going to bring back a sort of leadership and and just helping to keep kind of keep the, the squad together, which has been an issue in previous seasons. So I'm a fan of it from that perspective. Talisa, I still think, is a good player. Um, I think as a youth enth- enthusiast, I always want to see us going for like the next big thing. Um, but I think Talisa is a sensible signing. Uh, both both are, are relatively expensive on the wages, so we'll have to watch that. But 
but yeah, overall, I think I'm I'm happy with it. Um, especially if it if it achieves that like cultural reset that we're going for. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Absolutely. I mean, I have no idea how good Toliso is at football anymore. It's just been a, a <laughs> to long be honest, time. me neither. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Um, no one can really say with too much confidence. Uh, but uh, yeah, good to see that that uh, that storyline pop up. Anyway, on on, on to Ren. Um, so yeah, for them, I kind of I feel like they could actually have a good shot at second this year. Um, they just have this great momentum at the club, like in all aspects of the club right now. But I mean, to start it off, they have an amazing attack and lots of different attackers and attacking profiles that they can kind of rely on. Um, I'm very I've been very critical on Genesio and exit Lyon coach over my time, but one thing he's always been very good at sort of like just giving that like that responsibility to attackers and trusting especially young attackers to, and midfielders just to do their thing going forward right so i think they've got an amazing tack they'll probably build on that it doesn't really look terrier might be going it sounds like but it doesn't really there's nothing really firm to suggest that it actually will happen yet so i mean they've, they've lost tell Matthias tell um which probably means that they don't have to lose anyone else right so so yeah i expect them to do well going forward. I have a sort of an inkling, we'll kind of see if it pans out, that they might be moving to a three at the back, um, especially with the yeah. sort of guys that they've gone for in Rodon and Tiet. Um I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but those are also good um, additions. And I'll add that I think they got Loic Bade last season to a lot of hype. I kind of didn't know how well it would go because to me, he feels very much like a three in the back center back, someone who performs really well there, maybe be a bit exploited out in the two. And I think it did actually, that that was the case last season. So I think maybe they're moving to a three at the back to try to get the most out of him, which I think is a good idea, um, especially with losing Aguirre. So yeah, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, so Bade was at his absolute peak, right, in a back three for Lons, uh, ahead, of yeah. the big, ahead of the big move. And, and, and last year was a bit of a struggle. It felt like there was a little, a, a two-month period for Ren where they actually had, so many injuries last year, specifically in the back line, that no one could really find their feet. And yeah. it must be, must be tough for a player of that. You know, he's still very young, but with that much hype for him to kind of settle into that. Um, but it's it's definitely an interesting one. I do know who your next suggestion is, though. And I do think that this team is stronger. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll agree. Up, so go ahead. <laughs> so I think, I think Monaco is probably the safest shot because I can see Lyon sort of having another terrible season as hard as hard as that is to say and I can see Ron kind of like also falling off um and also a, a weakness about Ren is I still want to see what's actually happening with their midfield if they do move to a three at the back how they're going to kind of support that um Monaco there are less questions over there it's a strong squad it's a more experienced squad than the other two which I think helps um for sure um and they've got a, they've got a really good defense in guys like Desasi and Vadiashile. Um, the, the fullbacks also very good. Uh, going forward, they've got um, you know, good attackers like Benyeda, but then also guys who could have good seasons. I mean, I'm not ready to give up on on Bodu. And they've just signed Brie Lombolo, who really does feel like the most Monaco signing. Yeah, that... How has he not played for Monaco before? Yeah. <laughs> So, and I think he's, I think he's a good fit for them. Um, they've also got Minamino, who I think is just like a solid addition, you know, someone who will, who will like help impact, even if he's not necessarily going to be a star ever, in my opinion. Um, so I think they've got a... On Minamino, Alex, actually, we were a little bit, Jack, weren't we a little bit like just not confused, but just like a bit taken by the, taken on the back, blind side yeah. by this one. We were like, he doesn't necessarily fit 
tactically or like ideally positionally into what we saw at the end of last season for Monaco, we thought. Um, or if he did, it was going to be at the expense of, you know, one of the big two up front. Um, so have they done anything to, to change this? So I didn't actually watch enough of Philippe Clement at the end of last season. Uh, but, I mean, he obviously did, he took over like midway through the season, right? So I wonder if maybe he's changing things. Um, doing what he wants. Now he's got yeah, the chance to do it. Sorry, sorry. Forgot. Yeah, maybe no, he's I, yeah, changing I... things coming in. But I also kind of didn't really see Minamino as like a, a definite starter for them. I kind of see him as like a like an option to play in certain games or to come off the bench. Um I don't really view him as a starter. Maybe I'm underrating Minamino, the player. I expected him to stay in the Premier League with like a Southampton sort of level team, to be honest. Yeah, um, or something, yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're going to make any accommodations for him. I also don't know what uh, Clement wants to kind of achieve. Um, we'll kind of, we'll kind of see the season, I guess. But I think it makes sense. It's a, it's a smart enough signing in terms of someone that I feel they can bring in who will make an impact. Yeah, I like you. it. I just, from uh, from Taki's perspective, I just would have gone wanted to go and play somewhere a bit more. Well, I think yeah, for, from his perspective, for sure, I can kind of yeah, I kind of expected him to stay in the Premier League, to be honest, and and be a starter somewhere. Sam, I mean, I watched this the friendly against Southampton last last week, and and it was an interesting one. Monaco lost three one, but the first half was was very very impressive. I thought from from Monaco, and everything everything went through Minamino. Like the entire game setup was him dropping off. They played a, an effective four four one one, and he basically was in that hole, just making things happen. And he hit the you know the woodwork. He made things happen. There was a couple of chances that that were all basically his kind of late runs. It really did look to work. And and actually, you know, obviously in the second half, Monaco faded, and it wasn't it wasn't that impressive. But there were changes kind of rung around the sort of fifty. 60 minute mark um but i was impressed and i wonder if that's what the change is going to be you know kevin volland obviously has had a wonderful career and it has been brilliant but he is starting to get on a little bit and Are i want retiring kevin volland i'm not retiring i'm not retiring him i'm uh, i'm 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 making him an impact substitute um and i think that that's it was interesting to see that that happened right they they made that change they went a little bit wider golovim kind of played slightly wide kind of sort of like an interior winger almost um and it, it was kind of interesting to see how they how they kind of played it out but I wonder if Minamino comes in here and, and just how creative he was especially in that first half kind of settles himself in as a starter in a kind of slightly changed 4-4-2 shape because mm. that's what it looked like it was it was going to be like he was on the right of a 4-4-2 in the Champions League qualifier as well uh okay. which is which is it, it looked 4-4-2-ish rather than before which was definitely well I mean I guess you could say it was the same thing but I would have branded it more as a 4-2-3-1 with Holland a bit deeper but we'll, yeah we'll have to see but it's a very interesting one for sure yeah I think I'll say like I think for their attackers there I mean maybe apart from Ben Yedder we'll see how he's doing this season but there's no real like definite and maybe Brilambolo actually but there's no like definite sort of people who are like locked on to start right um yeah, yeah I think they need an addition in their midfield I probably think they probably will go for an addition in their midfield yeah. Um, yeah, so I kind of see them as a squad that's going to be good, going to probably make Champions League. Um, it's a but deep I, squad, isn't it? It really is. Deep. They've always had a deep squad, though, just from buying loads of young players and seeing if they work out. It's always kind of been like one of the deepest squads where you kind of go down and then you see like, uh, Willem Goebbels is still there. And yeah. 
Yeah. Griffin Diata is back. <laughs> yeah, he. So yeah. It's like it's that sort of thing. Like it is a really deep squad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think looking at it, you know, the three the three you've picked out, I probably always shade towards the deepest squad there to to basically edge everyone yeah. out over the course of the season. There's the least variance there with them. Like I don't see them messing up, but I also don't see them having like some crazy season. Yeah, fair enough. I'd agree. I'd agree. <laughs> probably time to move on to, to question three then okay yeah question number three um and it's on our beloved lil uh they've appointed a new manager in paolo fonseca hopefully they're a bit more entertaining at the very least but alex what are your expectations for them this season um for them i kind of see them having a rebuild season i think they need that i think Fonseca's a great hire and it's weird like same as brilambolo moving to to Monaco, Fonseca at Lille just kind of feels like one of those things that like mm. just works. Like you'd see it happening in FM a lot, that sort of move, <laughs> right? Um, but I'm excited. Fonseca is one of one of my favorite coaches to watch from years back at, at Shakhtar. Um, didn't really follow him enough at Roma, but I think he did well despite ending up getting getting the sack. Um, yeah, he, did, yeah. he did. Yeah. They've lost some big players though. Uh, Botman, Sanchez. So just adding to that list, Zeki Celik is, is also gone, who's probably... Yeah, yeah. Burek Yilmaz, Zeki Celik. It's like four or five start, And obviously, uh, they lost Ikone in, in January uh, to Fiorentina. So we're looking at five um, five or six players there from the title win, which, you know... Still it's, a, it's a good chance for ago. a rebuild. Yeah, it yeah. was two seasons yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> time moves quickly, right? Um but yeah, I see them having a rebuild season. I think I'll, I'll say the same for Nice. I kind of also see them having a rebuild season. Um, so I kind of, especially, they've also just brought in a new coach in Favre. Uh, well, brought him back. So so for both those clubs, I kind of see them in the same sort of thing where they've lost some big players. They've also made some good signings. Um, and they've brought in coaches that I think are good. Um, Galtier, obviously a very good coach. So Favre kind of on the same level, I would say. Or maybe just a little bit lower, but Fonseca is obviously a big, a big um, upgrade for Lille. Um, so I kind of just see, we'll see, kind of see how they rebuild. I don't see them having a sort of a crazy good season yet. It's a, it's a season of rebuild for them and just kind of implementing a style and, and you're yeah, kind of trying to do well with the recruitment and and involve some of the younger players that they have. So that's kind of what I'm expecting from them this season. Yeah, I just looking at those, you know, not not putting them in the best of the rest conversation, obviously, but I am a huge fan of Fonseca as well. I think he's a really good coach, genuine coach. I think he'll do a lot for these players. Um, Jonathan David is still there. I think yeah. it's a really nice manager-player match in terms of style. And I am just cautiously optimistic that, yeah, again, not vaulting themselves into the best of the rest conversation, but sixth or, or even fifth is not out of the question for Lil, even um, when rebuilding. Absolutely not. I, I think I see them fight, fighting for top seven, top six. I mean, I think I will say Ligue 1 has a lot of good coaches now, but also like there are about six or seven big clubs. I mean, what is it? Obviously PSG, Monaco, Lyon, uh, Marseille, Rennes, um, Nice and Lille, right? Yeah. Seven or so. Um, so I think it, it's it's getting tougher, but I do still, I, I see them being thereabouts. Um, I think it's a season of rebuild. I'm not going to expect too much. Maybe maybe Fonseca completely surprises me. But but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on them So at the moment. Yeah, I think that, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. It's a funny one. The, the squad is 
small i would suggest at, at this point yeah. uh, with, with you, players that are going to be used at the very least and and that makes things kind of a bit strange but this this next couple of weeks i think is going to be massive for Lille 100% because they've just sold Renato and they're about to sell Amadou Anana I, I saw like last night that he's either going to West Ham or Everton so that's a lot of money that they're going to getting be getting in and, the lack, of midf- and the lack of midfielders that they actually yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, so they need just to address not, that. Is, ben, is Benjamin Andre just going to play on his own now? Because um, from last season, obviously, <laughs> Amadou, actually, Alex, on Amadou Onana, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on him because someone I actually spent a couple of hours on Thursday watching um, because I had to just brush up on him um, with, the, with the fact that uh, he's now costing £33 million plus add-ons, if, 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 if personal terms agree, which is... I'm going to be really honest. A lot of money for Amadou Onana, given what I've seen. So have I have I caught the wrong games, or is this a a bit odd? I'm glad you said that because I also don't see the hype around him. Um, I see a lot of like like legal mutuals like hype him. I haven't I haven't seen it as of yet. I didn't watch a lot of Lille last season because they were boring and not very good. But very when good. I yeah. when I did watch them, especially in European competition, like. I saw Amadou and Nana playing like as a 10 at times or, or, or thereabouts as a 10, which obviously isn't the sort of position that I kind of been told he was coming into the season. I've been told it's it was more of like a the, DM. It's definitely not the position that West Ham have signed him for. Let's put it that no, way. No, no. <laughs> but he's also not very good as a 10. I think he, he, he didn't impress me much at all in that position. So I, I could, maybe it's harsh. I've seen him a bit, bit deep and he's been decent. But, hmm. but yeah, I don't, I don't, see the hype as of yet maybe there's something i'm missing because i mean west ham have been pretty good with their recruitment i think or at least in terms of the profiles that they want i see so him fitting west ham that's it so that's though. basically it he's perfect for david Moyes because he's a bit thomas suchek he's absolutely huge aerial like domination loads of jewels his telescopic legs are, are, are coming out and tackling but he just basically operates in that 30 yard midfield zone and just smashes through stuff and and heads things clear this is the physical edge that we're, that david Moyes is, is is building at west ham so from a profile there it kind of makes sense but yeah it's that it's it's that honing in very specifically on one type of player that you want which has probably led to in my opinion just way too much money on on a on this player like it, it I can understand why West Ham are doing it. Like I know what they want from him, but this is this this has shocked me. He made eleven starts last season in the league for Lille. He played the fourth most minutes of of their midfielders, and actually, you know, Zeka who left on a free transfer. I was going to sign and say sign Zeka on a free. He's gone. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's 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 gone now as well. So yeah, Lille needs some players. But Onana, okay, good, good to get some gratification. I'm glad we. I'm glad someone agrees with me because there's a lot of hype around him, but I haven't seen it as of yet. I'm 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 very willing to be proven wrong. But yeah. but he seems decent, just nothing special. It just seems like I've a seen. lot of money for a potential rather than yeah. proven quality. When you could go out and get Ibrahim Sangare for a similar fee, a hundred percent. That's like, a great one. That's, that's the. I mean. Point. If I saw him going for 15 million, I don't think I would have been like, oh, that's surprising at all. Or even yeah, 10, maybe 10, a bit like on the low side, given his age. But yeah, he doesn't seem a 35, 33 million pound player. Yeah. Bang Absolutely. On. Bang on. Let's get right. to number four. Okay, question number four. Who is the biggest regression candidate in Liga on this year? So yeah, like I said earlier, I think I'm going to, without putting everything on the line on one. There's one team I have in mind, but I think I'll first go through two teams that actually overperformed. So it feels harsh to kind of give them as re- like peg, you know, pin them out as regression candidates, but just 
it's kind of it, it's due to how well they did. Um, so Strasbourg and Lance are the two that I kind of see potentially dropping off, um, which is natural for overperformers. Strasbourg, uh, Julian Stefan, I absolutely love him. I think he's amazing. Alongside alongside the Zerbi, um, if Bosch had to go, those are the two guys that I would be looking at. Um, but yeah, for them, they're keeping most of the team around. I haven't seen any big outgoings. Ludovic Ajok, who's their top scorer, might be going, and that could be significant. I still think that they have guys like Habib, Habib Diallo, who can kind of replace even within the squad. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think that obviously hope to keep him. I kind of see them dropping off depending on how well the teams below like recover, such as Lyon and Lille. Um, and that's kind of the real reason that I see them potentially dropping off, that other teams had bad seasons, which is part of why they ended up coming sixth. But at the same time, I actually, I just think Julian Stefan's really good. I think the squad, that he's, he's managed to get a lot out of that squad. Um, so I could kind of see them still hanging around in, you know, that six to eight sort of zone. So we'll we'll see. I'm excited to see how they do. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that they are relatively solid. Now, and I'm going to caveat this with preseason, et cetera, et cetera. And this was incredibly young Liverpool team they played. But watch this game. And... They bullied Liverpool and it was, you know, yes, it's, you know, a, a very, very light team going forward. But the back two were Irima Kanate and, and Joe Gomez and, and both of them, you know, as York put both of them to the sword, basically. <laughs> he was just like, nah, I, this is this is this is my world and I'm going to play the in that it. scores 18 yard headers. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, <laughs> and he was excellent. Right? Really, really impressive. So, yeah, I agree. If they lose him, obviously they 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 will get a, a fee for him and, and we'll be able to look to replace. But if they lose a York, I can see them dropping backwards a little bit. They don't. I said they'll be right back in that conversation for a European spot. So, so I'm kind of with you. Yeah, I, I like them. I think they're, they're probably the one people expect to drop off more. But actually, I think moving on to the other club, I think that's more going to be the case for, for Lance just because they've been gutted. Um, so they had a very good season last season as well. They came seventh under Frank Hayes. Um, but they've lost Czech Decore, um, who was, you know, alongside Seko Fofana, like basically the the backbone of that like team in the midfield. Um, yeah. And then, and I love him, we can talk about him later. Then there's Jonathan Klaus, who is obviously, I think his name kind of, he finally got the recognition he's deserved for a while last season. Um, strong sort of right wing back that I don't even think they've replaced yet. Maybe I've missed that in the incomings. And then obviously Anat Kalemundo, who did really well for them up front, he's he's gone back to PSG. So those are three big names that they've that they've lost. Um, and yeah, I just think I haven't seen the recruitment coming in as of yet for them. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like just losing those names. We'll see how Frank Case does, but I kind of feel they're gonna drop off a bit, especially with like I said, with regard to Strasbourg teams like Lille and um, and Lyon recovering it's yeah. got to be three of the five best players from last season for them maybe um, yeah I, I would say yeah i would say yeah that's probably i mean, I mean how, how on earth on on on, on that budget you know the way that the way they position themselves on the food chain how, how do you recover from that oh, i wonder if i wonder as well i wonder if callum wender goes back on loan again um or, or or even permanently there are there are sort of murmurings about him leaving psg um now i wonder if there'll be 
clubs with bigger budgets looking at that and thinking, well, yep, we could probably pay more than them. Um, But there is also the element of homecoming sometimes that allows players to just drop into those situations and go, okay, I felt comfortable there. I liked it there. I did well there. Let me go and recreate that again. I mean, I would love Calamundo to actually go back there. I think there's even suggestions he might stay at PSG, though. Yeah, from no, what it, I've it's heard very much things. undecided, I think, in terms yeah, of where yeah, yeah. space is going to be. But if he leaves, I kind of see him... I could see him... I, I know Leeds have been strongly linked. I could kind of yeah. see him going there, and I think he's a he's a nice option to add to their attack. Um, yeah, just with Premier League clubs and stuff, it'll be hard for, for Lance to bring him back. But but I would love I would love him to go back there, I think... I think it's a good place for him to develop his game. Yeah, still a bunch of Premier League clubs that need a striker, and this yeah. is going to drag on and on. And if I if I was if I was PSG, I would definitely hang on there. I think they know the market well enough to be like wait until you know two or three of these guys get to the final week, and they're going to yeah. they'll pay twenty million for him because that that's they, like they will legitimately do that because they'll need to. Um, that will that will happen. But they might even I, pay a little bit more. I mean, depending. I mean, not not. Not outside the Premier League, but within the Premier League, I mean, we've just spoken about Anana going for 33 million. I can see Kalimundo going for at least 25 or so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just before we move on to the final question, Alex, I'm going to chuck another name into regression. I've already talked about this on the pod before, so I'll keep it brief, but a little bit concerned for Nantes here, who, you know, did it, had a, I was in love with their story last year, having narrowly escaped relegation the year before and then sort of pushing into those top seven, eight places fighting with those teams pretty consistently, fell away in the end, but obviously won the cup uh, to secure European football. That's an amazing achievement, but you know what that does to a very thin squad. And I don't think that they've done particularly well this summer. You know, they've picked up a couple of pieces, one of which is Musa Sissoko. I think his days at the top level are definitely done. And they lost Randall Kolo Moani to Eintracht on a free transfer. A free, and yeah, Ludovic yeah. Blas keeps getting linked away. They got absolutely destroyed in the Super Cup. Okay, limited judgment there. But Castelletto is now suspended for the first game. You know, it feels like it's already going really wrong. Um, and I'm worried for them. Yeah, I actually overlooked them when I was thinking through who's going to regress or not. Because I haven't actually got to the big one that I think. But but I, I, I think I completely agree with everything you've kind of said. I think... Like losing um, Kolomuani is going to be big as well. Um, I think Blas will stay, right? I think he still has so. still has two years or so in his contract, maybe with European football. Like there's enough to keep him there. Um, but yeah, I think also just a problem for Nantes is I know that they have a very poor recruitment team. Like they don't, it's not very expansive. There's not a lot of money that they've been able to put there. So often what they do is they work through like almost word of mouth of like, who can we kind of get here? So yeah, it's just always hard for these teams to be like proactive in terms of being able to rebuild or add depth um, ahead of new seasons. I don't know, maybe they've they've kind of invested more in their recruitment team than from like two years ago or so when it became so apparent, I think from the coach himself, that they that they lacked in that area, um, finances. But yeah, we'll see. I think that I can also see them kind of having a tough time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Who's the big one then? The big one is obviously Marseille, um, which is still the bookies' favourites for like to, to finish second. But I mean, I, I have a couple of reasons for it, and I think it's a lot of people kind of it's, it's it's obvious the reasons. But first of all, just in looking looking at the players that they have, their four most important players last season and best probably Saliba, Buba Kamara, Paye, and and Guendouzi. Um, two of those have left. Saliba's back at Arsenal. Thank God. And um, Bubba Kamara is now at Aston Villa, actually. 
So those are two important pieces. And then Payet, he's what, 35, pushing 36 now, and also very injury prone. Like his time at the top is, and he's, he's had a great career. I think his time at the top is, is coming to a close. So that really only leaves Guendouzi in like a very good spot for them, which is kind of what actually led to the other part is that Sampoli really didn't like that he lost all of these important pieces to his puzzle. And he left and they've brought in um, Tudor, who admittedly I don't know too much about. I'm not a Serie A guy. Um, but yeah, so he's his replacement. We'll see how it kind of goes. He's already, there's murmurings that he's, he's fallen out with three or so senior members of the squad. I won't be surprised if Quinduzi is one of them. Um, but yeah, adding to that to what was actually an, an overperformance on the underlying metrics last year. Um, there's just a lot of things and then they're never very good in Europe. I mean, I know that that's not a good way of future predictions, but we'll see. It also stretches them a little bit. And adding into all of that, their general recruitment has seemed weird. There's some deals I really like. Like I think class is great. And I think a good point is maybe looking into how Tudor like redesigns the squad because he's now he's got two very good attacking wingbacks in Nuno Tavares from Arsenal again and then uh, Jonathan Klaus so maybe he's going to get more out of them out wide but but yeah it's just a lot to replace so also, they're the, the gen- most chaotic club in football I think like, I don't, Generally, I don't yeah. know if there's anyone more chaotic than than, than this Marseille <laughs> they just seem to chew up managers chew up players it's all just nuts yeah it's, it's incredibly enjoyable that's not meant to it's really not meant to be a slug so uh, <laughs> I, I really it really is fun to watch but I also like have no idea season on season where they're going yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Alex, just to let you know, I think uh, with Igor Tudor, he, he's probably the antithesis of Sam Paoli as a manager. Um, yeah, very, very different. You know, Tudor's he's pretty. Um, he's back three, wing backs direct, get the ball forward as quickly as possible. I know Sam Paoli does that at points, but obviously the the tactical intricacies, the formation changes mm. on the fly, that sort of stuff, the, the the periods of pretty possession play, I would imagine are all gone. And Tudor is going to stick the ball in the channel, give it to the wing back and have him run 10, 15, 20 yards and just gain ground. That's kind of how he modelled a lot of his play in Serie A. So you know why that's funny to me? Because I've, I've heard that they want to get rid of Bamba Dieng, who I really like. I think he's very raw he's, and he's kind of a clunky player, but but he's very he's a good athlete and he has very good movement. Mm. Um, he's just good. At, he's, he's a chaotic player in himself, just being able to, to get on the end of things and, you know, find those opportunities. That kind of sounds like a great player for <laughs> yeah for for Tudor to kind of want but it seems I mean this has been my own interpretation just by how quickly they've kind of been wanting to get rid of him it's either they just really need the money from somewhere and he's he's a better option than than elsewhere but also I was wondering maybe Tudor just didn't really rate him from the off yeah. um, I mean they have a lot of forwards as well don't they There's, they do but I, I think but... they've got a lot of old forwards I would want to keep Bamba Dieng yeah true true yeah, no, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, which takes us quite nicely, I think, onto our last category. Um, who are we talking <laughs> about, Sam? What are we talking about, Sam? Alex, please give us your tips for Liga's breakout stars this season. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't narrow it down to just to just one or two. So I've actually got like a, a couple here um, that are more punts than usually, I feel like, in previous seasons, because I do this every season where I kind of try to predict who the breakout stars are going to be. And I usually feel that there are some like really obvious candidates. Maybe it's just because there were so many breakouts in the last year or so, but it feels like there's no one that's super, well, not many that are super clear to kind of break out. 
But I mean, obviously, last last year, my my take on this pod was was Shirky, um, and I'm I'll move on from him quickly. But I'm going to put him in there again. So we we hope he ha- he has a proper breakout this season. Every right? single year until he breaks out. <laughs> it's not your fault, and it's not his fault. It's Leon's <laughs> fault, and uh, we have to uh, we have to call it until he gets the games he deserves. He he's closing in on a on a new contract, and I think the contract like issues have been so drawn out because. He knows he's good enough to play a starter somewhere in the top five league club, right? I mean, he, he really is good enough. I think he's one of the best players. When he plays for us, he's always one of the most impressive players, in my opinion. Um, but I think we're closing in on that contract, and I think I really hope, at least, that that is like, you know, premised on like that he's going to get game time this season. Right. It's going to be yeah. tough. There's a lot of like congestion in that area. If Paqueta leaves, I think it opens up a lot of, of interesting... like. Well, it opens it opens up space from the squad and maybe like an interesting sort of movement into attacking midfielder, which is something I've personally wanted to see from him. But yeah, well, we'll have to see with that. I really I'm gonna call it again that it's his breakout season <laughs> until he breaks up. Um, otherwise, so I think let me move. I've got like a nice defender, midfielder, and attacker. So maybe I'll move in that in that way. Um, Brian Pereira is my next shot. Whoop. He's actually never played a senior football yet. Um, but I know him from the Euro under t- under nineties. I know Sam does too. He was very, well, he was very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really good. Right back, brilliant player. Oh my god. Yeah, just very good. good. It's very weird because obviously he was a Lance player, right? And they've just sold Klaus for seven million. I thought that he was going to be there from the begin, from like basically when I saw him at the under nineteen Euros. I was like, okay, this is the guy who's going to be their replacement, like an internal replacement. But no, he's actually he's moved to Auxerre. Um, which what? is a promoted club. Yeah, mad, right? Um, but yeah, I looked at I looked at who the other right back is, and I, I think Brian Pereira is pretty much a good shot for to being their starter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just a very good two-way player, uh, as a lot of these um French sort of fullbacks coming through are nowadays. Very good attacker, good on the dribble, good on the cross, um, good in one v one scenarios going backwards too. Um, a lot of explosiveness in his game. Yeah, he stands yeah. up a player and just goes, poof, just takes one step and he's passed exactly. it, knocks it around him. And the low deliveries were really good as well. I thought in the under-19 Euros, people went a little bit overboard on uh, Arsenal's uh, Norton Cuffey. And it was yeah. actually someone like, <laughs> Brian, someone like Brian Pereira that was actually the, the right back of choice for that tournament. He was phenomenal. Yeah, I'll, I'll say with, with Norton Cuffey, not that this is an Arsenal pod, but he's one of those players that like, does really, really well. And then when things go badly, he tries to force the issue way too much and it just becomes awful. I've seen him do it for the Arsenal under-23s a lot as well. Like, I think I like that he doesn't hide, but he's just one of those guys who tries to force the issue a bit too much. Yeah. Um, anyways, moving on. Another player who actually was quite hyped last season. I think the hype's kind of died down a little bit now, but is Leslie Ugochukwu. And... I think he has a very good like opening. I've not seen too much said about this being his season um, within like league or circles, but just looking at the squad of Ren, who is another product of they've just produced players like crazy, right? Um, I I think it just makes sense that he could have a really good breakthrough season. Um, even it depends. I mean, they've got Santa Maria as kind of the more like defensive guy in that team, right? I think yep. he's he's okay. I think Ugochukwu, he's like one of those big rangy midfielders. A lot of technique, though. Can play nice balls from deep. Can carry really well. He's just kind of your prototypical, like, all-rounder midfielder, French midfielder nowadays. How tall is he? 
quite tall. I, I don't know the, <laughs> but he, he, he seems very tall. Foot? I would definitely say, yeah. Are yeah, we, yeah. Are we talking too many mold here, or are we talking Chuka no? Pogba. So okay, so he's more he's more defensively minded than than Chukwemeka or Pogba. But in terms of how he is on the ball, I would say is a lot more in that sort of like stylistic sense, right? Whereas Chuameni is quite like I wouldn't say rigid, but he's more like a mover in terms of like just using his his. Yeah athleticism to get yeah. there is there's something nice about like how Ukuchuko can kind of move around with the ball he's been given the sixth shift which I actually checked just before the pod just because I think that's always a good way of seeing where a player kind of figures in the estimations of the club yeah. and then whether the, if they go to a three at the back which they could do then I really think that it that there isn't really another player in that squad that that can fit into one of the two central midfielder roles because they'll probably have someone more attacking knowing Genesio and then their squad in general. But then they're going to need someone who has a lot of energy, ability to get up and down, um, which I think Ugo Chuku fits, as well as having that quality on the ball. And then even if it's even if it's a three, a midfield three, I think I think he'll find his way in. Um, so yeah, he, he's my shout um, for the midfield one. And then I've actually got two attackers, but let me go first for the guy who actually belongs to a, uh, a league on club and he's a new addition to Tulu as Zakaria Abukla. Um he's like 22 or so now kind of was very hyped I think you guys might remember a couple of years ago at, at AZ Alkmaar yeah he's come from the Netherlands hasn't he I'm not familiar but the name rings a bell from the Dutch league yeah yeah so he when they had all of those sort of you know like Stengs and everyone and Baudu yeah. he was also like one of the names outside of like the main sort of Quipmainers and and Vindal adding those. He was one of the names just outside of them. But he's very good, very good on both feet. One of those like very exciting players who can kind of just accelerate and stop and kind of create angles to shoot. Um very that that's the sort of player that he is. A lot of athleticism, good technique, close control at times. And yeah, likes likes to kind of very direct in, in how he can play. Uh I'm not completely sure what kind of happened at Alkmaar, but from what I've read around the places that like, I think he kind of fell out with the club management to some extent and with the fans. Um, I think there was some interview where like he said he didn't really, he wasn't affected by what the fans thought of him or something like that. It's one of those situations. So I think this is just a really good um, place for him to actually, a new environment where he's also going to get a lot of, a lot of minutes. And yeah, I, th- I think he could have a breakout season of his own. Then the last guy, and um, <laughs> apologies for speaking about Arsenal so often, so much on this pod, but I really think now that he's moved yesterday to Rim, I really think this could be a follow and Balogun season. It's honestly a move I've been wanting him to have for like two years now. He's really just needed a move where he's going to get regular minutes. I, I really rate him as a player. He's a very rounded player, um, centre forward. You know, he can hold up, he can go behind. Um, he can he can play out wide and dribble in. I mean, he's a centre forward in type, but you know the the type of ones, especially modern day, that you like to drift. Play. Yeah, like to drift. Yep. So he's got a lot in his game. Very good. Very good technically with very good finish. Um, but what he's lacked is just having the actual minutes to play. I mean, he finally got a move to Middlesbrough halfway through last season, right in the second half. But I mean, I think you could see, I saw one or two of his games, you could kind of see that this is like his first forays into senior football at now age or 21 or so, right? So it's it's been long overdue. I don't think Arsenal dealt with his development too well, but he's kind of come in as the, I mean, Ekiteke 
was their play. He didn't play like complete first team minutes, but I think Balogun's coming in to kind of replace him in the squad and will get a lot of minutes in doing so. So I see him, I see him as a breakout star um, in the league. Very good, very good. Very good. Yeah, Arsenal they they sort of they did handle him poorly. I think he got stuck for about two years, didn't he, between senior and youth football? He's at yeah. under twenty threes and scoring like five goals a game. And it's like, what are you getting from this? He, like, I mean, I can tell you, he looked so bored playing those games. Like he <laughs> he looked unbothered. The, the amount of times he would just like receive, hold off, and like backheel, like very nonchalantly, without even like really feeling like he was trying to to make something happen. He was just playing with defenders. I think. I think it was it was partly down to the kind of like regime change between like the Emery, Donrangle, Sinelli and yeah. that sort of era moving to kind of like now what we've got with Arteta and Edu that he kind of got caught in the middle of and then also just the way that I, I, like there was sort of like lack of misunderstanding between agent and club and stuff like that. That, But I think ultimately Arsenal didn't, didn't handle it well. Um, and yeah, we've kind of well, got to this position now. Yeah, where, a chance. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's a big opportunity for him. Um, and with that, we, we'll bring this to a close, Alex. But um, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure walking through League Aren't with you. Uh, do you want to just tell the rank score where they can find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me at AlexFRCO on Twitter, where I'm probably either tweeting about Lyon, Ligue 1, or, uh, or Arsenal. So, so yeah, you can, or other young players. So you can find me there. Uh, but thanks so much for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to be on Ranks. And yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Mr. Sam Tai for those questions as well, mate. Oh, cheers, mate. Thanks. Yeah. 10 minutes <laughs> on the train, well spent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well done. Very well prepared, as usual. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening as ever. Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.